Would you turn to Romans, the 12th chapter this evening? If you didn't bring a Bible with you, hold up your hand. We have extra Bibles. Be glad to let you use one of ours. Hold your hand up real high. And let's all go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We've been on this uh, subject for some weeks now on Friday nights when I've been with you. A series we're calling Transformed. Transformed. And our main text is right here in Romans, the 12th chapter and the second verse. Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The New Living Translation says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Into a new person by changing the way you think. Is that really possible? That you can be changed into a new person by changing the way you think. Now this is a life changing truth. Isn't it? Transformed. Then he said, you'll learn to know God's will for you. The product of having your your thinking changed and being transformed into a different person is you now are aware of and discern God's perfect will for your life. Wow. So you're not wandering around trying to find it. You're not confused about it, looking for it. You know it. Are there a lot of Christians that are not clear on the will of God and searching and just seem like year after year not finding their place? Well, what needs to happen with them? Back up to the first part of this verse. What needs to happen with them? Their thinking needs to be changed. And in their thinking being changed, they will be changed into a different person and that will get them out of the holding pattern they've been in and get them into a knowledge of God's will for their life. Are you willing for the Lord to help you to change your thinking? Hmm? Oh, we should be. We should be. Uh, The word conformed, he said, don't be conformed to this world means to fashion alike It means to conform to the same pattern. Uh, Satan is called the God of this world. And there is a pressure. You hear people talk about peer pressure and other kinds of pressure. There is. That pressure is real. It doesn't stop when you get out of high school or college. There is a pressure in this world to make you a cookie cutter replica of every other confused unbeliever on the planet to live the same kind of ungodly, sinful life of bondage and failure that others. Did you know you could have a lot of money and still be a total failure? Did you know that? 
You could have success maybe in your profession, so-called. You could have some nice things, but uh, nobody be able to live with you. You know what I'm talking about? And, and all your relationships are failed and, and, and failure, you know, no peace and, and no joy. There is no real success outside of God. Amen. Outside of Jesus. There just is, there is none. There is none. And uh, he's telling us, don't be conformed. Don't let this world press you in to being like everybody else that doesn't know God. We're not supposed to be like everybody else. We're supposed to be different, aren't we? And oh, it'll, you know, we're the light of the world in a dark place. When you, even if the light's not very bright, you've been a pitch dark cave. You can turn on a little pin light. Boy, it looks like a search beacon. Huh? And it will stand out. And in this dark world, if we go the way we're supposed to go, it'll be upstream. It'll be light in the eyes of people that are used to total blackness. But we're not, people start hollering, whoa, whoa, you can't be like that. You got to be like us. No, you can't. No, you have to allow this and you have to partake of this. No, we don't. No, we don't. Something ought to rise up inside of you that you will not be conformed. Sit out loud, I refuse, I refuse to be conformed to, be conformed to, this, world. to this world. He's talking about the world without God, the unbelieving, ungodly world. No, we are called not to conformity. We are called to transformation. Transformation. Now, transformation doesn't mean a few tweaks. A few adjustments. We get our word morph or metamorphosis from it. It's like the change from a caterpillar to a butterfly. We're talking about changed into something radically different from what you were. And this is, he's writing to people that were already born again. Is it possible, even after you've been born again, to still change so much that you're like a different person? Certainly. Certainly. And how is that accomplished? Tell me, friends, from the scripture. How is that brought to pass? By your mind, your thinking being changed. Can you say amen? Amen means so be it. So be it. Turn with me, if you would, over to the uh, Luke's account, the 10th chapter. Luke 10. We looked at this last week and... Um, Actually, I think this may be the third time we've touched on some of this, but I hadn't felt released. I hadn't felt like we're, we're through with this. So we need to stay on it till we get through. In Luke 10, I'm stirred up about this because uh, we are here at this juncture in our study by revelation. I did not see this when I began this series. The Lord has gotten us to this place. And oh, I like that. I, you know, I, I believe and I ask you to believe with me and every minister desires the same thing if they, if they think right about it. To preach and teach beyond myself. Beyond what I have seen. Beyond what I have known. Amen. If we minister by faith, that is the result. 
And you can hear beyond yourself. And uh, I should be learning while I'm speaking. And you too. Right? Or whoever's ministering at the time. That's what faith is about. We don't stop with what we know. We're believing to see what we don't know. And we know it's here. We know it's here. And so we're believing for it to come out. And in this passage, the truths that we're into now, we're there. I had not planned to see this or get to this, did not realize this to the degree that I do now. We're here by revelation and we're in the heart of what we do to allow this mind renewal and this transformation. Now, if you hadn't been with us, this is your first night with us. We've already covered a lot of ground. So go out and get you a DVD or two or three or ever how many it is and CDs. Download it in its entirety off the Internet. It's there and it won't cost you a thing. And and again, as we say around here, no charge, no cost means no excuse excuse for not getting it, not knowing it, not having it. (laughs) And I don't want you to to get in a situation later and and tell the Lord, well, Lord, I didn't know that. And he said, well, you should have. Because I gave you that opportunity. It was there. I told you to get it. Right? So be watchful of the opportunities that we have. Luke chapter 10, we, we saw this. That Jesus came to Martha's house. And what transpired in verse 38 of chapter 10. It came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Jesus said, one thing is needful. Everybody say one thing. What did uh, Martha need? One thing. What did she need to be focusing on and, and working to take care of and making sure was done? But what was she doing? She was full of care and she was troubled. Now that word full of care or careful, it basically means anxious. Anxious. We might say worried. And uh, the word troubled basically means agitated. Uh, We get our words turbid or turbulence from it. So was was Martha at peace? No. No, Her insides were were same thing it was happening on her stove (laughs) was happening with her. Huh? Boiling. And she was getting hot too, wasn't she? She was getting hot about her sister. 
not helping her out. So she was concerned about the preparations of many things. Jesus said many things. The roast, the bread, the uh, the tea, the dessert, the silverware, the, the were the napkins, and and her sister, her sister, her lazy sister. <laughs> Why is she not? It left her to do all these things, these many things. Everybody say many things. Many things. things. She's anxious and she's agitated about many things. Say it out loud. Anxious Anxious. and agitated agitated. about many things. things. And she was just sure. Jesus felt the same way she did about it. You know she must have been to be bold enough to walk in there and almost tell Jesus. To tell her lazy sister to get up and get in there and help her. And I think she was shocked. I think she was shocked when Jesus said, Martha, Martha. There's just one thing that's needed. Did Martha's thinking need to be changed? She thought many things were needful. And the Lord told her one thing. Is needful. Now, friend, this is the heart of mind renewal which produces this transformation. There's three basic things we keep touching on over and over again. What does it mean to be renewed in your mind, your thinking? You need to know what to think on. And you need to know what not to think on. And you need to know. That you have the control to think on what you should think on and not think on what you should not think on. I want to go over that again real slow. (laughs) This is mind renewal in a nutshell. How am I renewed in my mind? You find out what to think on and you think on that. You find out what you ought not be thinking on, and you quit thinking about it. And you never say, I can't help it. Because you know you have the power. Don't you? Your mind is your mind. And you have the ability to choose what you want to think on and refuse what you don't want to think on. Come on, everybody, sit out loud. My mind... Is my mind. I don't have to think. On anything. I don't want to think on. I can think on. Whatever I choose to think on. My mind. Is my mind. I have control. Of my thoughts. It's sad. And there are numerous people. In mental institutions today. That the devil convinced them they cannot control what they think on. And if the devil's ever able to convince you that you can't control what you think on, you're in serious trouble. It's a lie. It's deception. You are a born again child of God. You got the greater one living on the inside of you. Jesus said, peace I give unto you. My peace. 
I give unto you. Scripture says you have the mind of Christ. Does that sound like an out of control mind to you? How often should we be in the state Martha found herself in? The agitated, anxious, careful, troubled about many things state. How often should we find ourselves in that situation? Philippians 4, uh, turn over there please. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. What does it say? Huh? Be careful for what? For how much? Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. The, what is the NIV, I believe it says, do not be anxious about anything. How much is it okay for us to be anxious about? Huh? Most Christians don't believe that. They don't even try to have zero anxiety. They don't believe it's possible. They believe something else other than the Bible. Well, I'm only human. I do the best I can. You know, we all have our off days. And sometimes we're, you know, I would refuse to say that over myself. Now, we've had some times we shouldn't have had. But the truth is we didn't have to have them. We did not have to. Yeah, but you don't know what happened. It doesn't matter what happened. The Lord told us what to do. We went into this with some detail last time. How many times the Lord told his disciples and told us, fear not. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Did he actually expect us to do what he told us to do? Or did he know we weren't going to do it? (laughs) And it was just kind of a suggestion. Best case scenario. Something to aspire to. No, this is how religion has watered down and altered the clear commands of Jesus. When he says, fear not, he expects us to immediately stop thinking on the thing that's scaring us. He expects us to immediately stop yielding to it and giving place to it. And he tells us this because he loves us. Because fear has torment. Being anxious. And dreading and agitated, having your mind and and soul in turmoil, is just as bad as it gets. That's tasting hell on earth. There are different degrees of it. But the Lord loves us. And He tells us perfect love does what? It, It ejects, it throws out, casts out all fear. He commanded us. Take no thought. Be careful for nothing. Cast all your care over on him. Didn't he? I mean multiple times. Why? Because we can't handle it. We are not created to handle worry and anxiety. It will make you old before your time. It will bring down your immune system. It will cause you problems in your insides and your mind and every area. 
Enough people have died. Remember the scripture talks about, Jesus talked about people's hearts failing them for fear. It's true. You can get so scared, you just die. Your heart just fails. And nothing in the world wrong with it except fear. If fear can kill you, then a little less fear would just hurt you and make you sick. Can you see this? There, there are all different degrees of it. Oh, but your faith will make you whole. Just like fear will hurt you, faith will help you. I say, yeah, but you just, you don't know the situation I'm in. You don't know what I've been going through. I mean, I, I can't help it. That's a lie. It's possible to be in the worst situation and yet refuse to think on the wrong things. Set your mind on the right thing and hold it there. And the Lord keep you in peace. It's possible in the absolute most challenging situations that exist on this earth. What did he say? Be careful for what? Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made. What am I going to do if I don't worry? You're going to pray about it and you're going to believe God heard you and then you're going to start thanking him. And you're going to thank him and thank him and thank him and thank him. And then when you get through with that, you're going to thank him and thank him and thank him and thank him. And And when the thoughts come back and try to scare you again, you're going to push that aside and you're going to thank God for hearing you and thank God for taking care of you and thank God for protecting your babies and thank God for healing your body. Come on, thank God for paying your bills. And when the thoughts come, what are you going to do? You're going to cast them down and you're going to start thanking God that he always supplies all your needs. Come on, do you see how we're supposed to do? And it, come on, think about this now. If you go from thinking about how much you owe and how little you have and how you don't know anybody and how in the world would it ever work out, that will make you troubled and full of care. And if you quit thinking about that and you start thinking about how you know God has heard your prayer and you know you sowed good seed into good ground and you know how God's brought you through, you will be transformed. Come on now, you'll be transformed from a scared, unstable, unsettled, depressed person to a peaceful, confident, joyful Strong, you will be transformed. Can you see it? And all that happened is you quit thinking about this and you started thinking about this. And you're transformed. Is this big, saints? Is this, this is huge. How can a weak, scared, worried, depressed person become a confident At peace, at rest, joyful, strong, victorious person. So simple. Quit thinking about this. Think about this only. And don't change. Just that simple. Notice what he said. You see that in this passage. Chapter 4, verse 6. Don't be anxious. About anything. Be careful for nothing. But pray about it. And with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God. Verse 7. 
And what? The peace of God that passes all understanding will do what? It'll come on you. It'll compass your heart. It'll come all over your mind. Y'all with me, saints? Why? What'd you do? You quit worrying. You quit, you quit being scared. You quit begging. And you brought a faith request before the Father. And you believe He heard you. And so you started thanking Him. And your fears go away and the peace comes in. But that's not the end. You've got to make it through the rest of the day and the rest of the night rest of the week. So here comes verse 8. Finally, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, good report, virtuous, praiseworthy, do what? You got, if you want to keep that peace that you got when you prayed, you got to keep your mind in the right area. Come on, can you see this, saints? See, there there have been so many people, bless their hearts, they didn't realize what was going on. They they called themselves, you know, praying through, and I understand that term. And they were scared, and they were upset, and they were down, and they prayed, and they got to victory, and they believed God heard them. And they thought, well, glory to God, I got it. But then they left that place of prayer, and it wasn't an hour until they're back thinking on the problem. Thinking about how bad it is and thinking about what they need. Thinking about what they don't have and what they can't do. And they lose their peace. And they lose their joy. And they go, well, I just don't understand it. I thought God heard me. He did. But you didn't do what he told you to do. He told you, think on these things. Not that. These things. And if you'll, if you'll keep your mind on that, think on these things. Everybody said out loud, think on these things. Think on these things. Say it again. Think on these things. And that peace that you got when you prayed will stay with you. Amen. Because Isaiah 26, 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Romans 8 says, To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Thank you, Master. Go with me to uh, Mark, the 10th chapter, please. Mark chapter 10. We see a, a situation similar to Martha's situation. I don't know the rest of the story with Martha, but just my own personal idea, I think she got it straightened out. <laughs> I do. I think Martha's a good woman. I think she's no dummy either. I think when the master told her that in front of everybody, I think Martha was a changed sister. But sadly, here's a guy who heard some of the same thing. He didn't change. In Mark chapter 10, you know the story. But look at it in the eyes of the area we're looking tonight. The Bible said there was one that came in Mark 10 and 17, came running to Jesus and knelt down to him and said, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Some uh, call him the rich young ruler. He's excited here, isn't he? He didn't come dragging in. Nobody made him come. He comes running in. 
And he kneels down. He's excited about something. Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And the Lord talked to him about the commandments. And he said, I've kept these from my youth. Verse 21. Jesus beholding him loved him. Is he a good man too? He is a good man. He has kept the commandments. So, I mean, his very heart that's got him running and falling down in front of Jesus and wanting to know what he needs to do shows his heart. Jesus beholding him loved him and said to him, what? What did he say? One thing. Everybody say one thing. One thing you lack. Go your way. Sell whatever you have. Give it to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. Come and take up the cross and follow me. It's obvious from the rest of the story. This young man does not understand what a compliment this is. Had two nods and a grunt. When Jesus, the perfect one, looks at you and says just one thing. You lack from being where you need to be. Getting everything that you desire in this area, knowing about eternal life. And can you see, he's he's allowing him a place with him. Come and what? Take up the cross, follow me. I mean, this sounds like a place akin to the twelve. Doesn't it? And who knows what could have been. But verse 22, he was what? He was sad at that sin. Isn't it something that's something you should be glad about? You actually find depressing. Jesus is saying, you want in? You want to go all the way? You can. Liquidate. Sell out. And come stay with me. Travel with me. Let's do this thing. He should have went, glory to God. Glory to God. Yes, sir. Quick as I can. I'll be back soon as I can. But see, that would have taken faith. He'd have had to trust the master. Wouldn't he? That he's not just going to lose everything he's got. And be a nobody and a nothing. And be in the worst shape of his life. He'd have had to trust the master. That this is not the end. This is the beginning of something greater than he's ever experienced. But instead of him seeing it was just one thing that he needed to do. Why is he sad? Read the rest of it. Why is he sad? He went away grieved because he had what? Great possessions. What's he thinking about? He's thinking about his businesses, his investments, his sales contracts, his employees. Huh? 
And did he become agitated and anxious and sad over all these different things that he doesn't have the answer to? How am I going to do that? What's my wife going to say? What are my parents going to think? What about this? We're in the middle of building a new office over here. What about this? I, I told these people I'd supply their whatever for the next five years. We I got contracts. What about? He was rich. He had a lot of possessions. He had lands. Probably had farms and flocks, crops. Yeah, but we're in the middle of the season and, and we got this and, and we got that and they're in the middle of planting over there and we got calves about to drop and, and we got this. And he hung his head and he thought, sell everything? And he started trying to figure it out. And he couldn't figure it out. And he didn't really understand. You don't have to know the answer to all those things. When you know the one thing. You don't have to know all the rest. All you need to do is step out. To obey the one thing. How many believe if he'd have stepped out to do the one thing the Lord told him to do, would the Spirit of God have helped him? Yes. Would buyers have showed up? Yes. Would thing, people been raised up to take care and finish things that need to be finished? Help? Would the Lord have helped him do what he told him to do? You yes. know he would have. Yes, absolutely. But see, when you back up and you go, yeah, well, I don't understand all these things, so I can't do the one thing. It ain't about understanding. Go with me to the book of uh, Corinthians. What is it? Second Corinthians. Everybody say one thing. One say it out loud again. One thing. One in any situation in life, in every situation, Second Corinthians 11 is where I want you to go. There's always just one thing you need to know. And when you get that, it's time to rejoice. Huh? And don't focus on all the rest you don't know. Rejoice in the one you do. Because that's all that really matters. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. He said, I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, So your minds should be what? Corrupted from what? From the simplicity that is in Christ. Say it out loud, the simplicity that is in Christ. Is being a Christian complicated? It is not. Is it complex and confusing walking with the Lord? It is not. It is simple. Somebody say simple. Simple. He said, I'm concerned about you, these saints at Corinth, lest you, your minds would be corrupted. Would you understand if their minds are corrupted, they're thinking on the wrong thing? From the simplicity that is in Christ. Simplicity. Verse 4. 
For he, if he that comes preaches another Jesus whom we've not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you've not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might well bear with him. You see how the enemy corrupts. He gives you choices. Choices. Here's another Jesus to pick from. Another gospel. Another option. And see, that's when it becomes confusing. Well, do I go this way or do I go that way? And any time there's that confusion and complexity, it's because you or me or whoever it is, is considering things you should not be considering. We talked about this. If you go to eat and you say, what's, you know, what do you have? They go, what would you like? What do you have? Beans and cornbread. What else you got? That's it. Beans and cornbread. What will you have? You don't go, well, give me a few minutes. Let me, let me think about this. Well, you know, this bothers me. I don't like making all these choices. Huh. There's no frustration. Huh? There's nothing to be agitated about. There's nothing to be anxious about. Well, do I pick the beans and cornbread or the... Easy. Simple. Clear. Free. What are we having? Beans and cornbread. And when you or me or whoever is agitated and confused and worried and anxious, it's because we're considering things that shouldn't even be on the menu. We're looking at it, thinking about, talking about things we ought not be looking at. We've allowed the enemy to give us another choice. Another. And your mind's corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Go to Genesis, please. Let's remind ourselves of how the devil did this with Eve. Through his subtlety, he's, he's very tricky. He never comes in the front door. He never comes where you can see him coming. He's very tricky, very, very subtle, very deceptive. And in Genesis, you see what happened with her. Genesis 2, that's where we should be. Genesis 2, the Lord made everything. He made the man, made the woman, made all the trees that were in the garden. And in Genesis 2 and... uh, 15, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. How many things? How many trees? Huh? One thing. One tree, he told, do not eat of the fruit of that tree. If you do, not you might die, you will die. Somebody say one thing. Chapter 3, the serpent shows up and he's more subtle 
crafty, tricky, deceptive than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, has God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. One thing. Clear. No problem. And so the the devil, the lion, deceiving, tricky devil, he says, uh, you shall not surely die. That is a blatant lie. But what's he doing? He's giving her something else to consider. The text in Corinthians says the devil deceived her. And corrupt, she let him corrupt her mind so that she was removed from the simplicity. And you see the process right here. Verse 5. He said, you'll not surely die. That is something to consider other than what God said. For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes will be opened. That's another thing to consider. And you'll be as gods. That's another thing to consider. And you'll know good and evil. That's another thing to consider. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food. That's another thing to consider. And it was pleasant to the eyes. That's another thing to consider. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. Another thing to consider. Now, she doesn't just have one thing to consider. She's got many things. Doesn't she? And reasoning. You won't surely die. Could that be true? That we wouldn't die? No, God knows. That if you eat this, you'll be like gods. I'll be like, we'll be like gods. They were already like gods. And you'll have knowledge of good and evil. Well, why wouldn't that be a good thing? To have knowledge of good and evil. Everybody say reasoning. Reasoning. Oh, friend. You start considering alternatives and other options and reasoning with the devil. He has been around for millennia. He can reason circles around you. He can make it sound so reasonable and logical. And you'll know good and evil. Well, now, why wouldn't that be good? And it looks good. It must taste good. And it would make you wise. Now you know wisdom is good. How can being wiser be a bad thing? Tell me. How can being wiser? And friend, she's in trouble. She is at the brink of death. And losing what they have. And don't even see it. Tell me where it's safe, Christians. Tell me where, where the safe place is. Where the devil can't mess with you. He can't trick you. He can't trip you up. He can't lead you. Why? If she had just said, there's only one thing I need to know, and I already know it, and you can't tell me any better. God said, don't eat of that tree. Because if you do, you will surely die. That's it. Yeah, but what? No, what about? Yeah, but you won't. Yeah, he said I would. One thing. What if she could have kept him on the one thing? 
and not let him move her into many things. Oh, come on. Can you see this, saints? Can you see how the devil is? He's the author of confusion. He comes in. He says, yeah, but, but this. And what would be wrong with that? And certainly this has to be right because of this. And when you feel it becoming complicated and, and confusing, and now it's not just one thing, it's many things that we have to look at and consider. You're in trouble. That's how you get troubled and agitated. All we have to do is monitor ourselves. <laughs> when we're getting troubled, when we're getting agitated, we have turned loose of the one thing somewhere. We are considering things we shouldn't be considering. Because if our mind was stayed on the one thing he told us about this, he'd be keeping us in perfect peace. That's the only thing on the menus is the beans and cornbread. There's nothing else to talk about. No occasion to be confused or upset or troubled. Considering things we shouldn't consider is the open door to the enemy. Go to Proverbs, the third chapter, please. Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3. A lot of you have this marked. But, oh, I, I believe after what we've been meditating upon up to this point, you'll just get all, a whole bunch of new light out of this now. Proverbs 3 and 5. What does it say? Trust in the Lord with all. Your heart. And lean not. To your own understanding. Verse 6. In all your ways. How many? All All your ways. Do what? Acknowledge him. Now. Let me stop right here. I think there's been some misinterpretation. Misapplication. Of the scripture. Seek and you shall find. It is true, seek and you shall find, but seek what? And you shall find what? Seek what? In every situation, what we should be seeking is not all available information. We live in the so-called information age. We talked about this last Friday. And we live in a, in a time where more people have more, uh, mental education. I say that because that is not the only kind of education. It's not even the most important kind of education. Spiritual education is more important. Uh, not to say mental is important. Physical education is important. But the most important spiritual. And, With more people that have gone to school and have book knowledge and have some kind of degree. That has been heralded and held up as the ultimate and as the standard of everything. But that just happens to be dependent on your brain. Your understanding. And people are trained. In the world, and this is where this conformity comes in, trained to develop your understanding as high as you can and to know everything you can know and understand everything you can understand and thereby you can make the right decisions in life, which is not true. That is right. 
It is not true. You can never know enough in this life to be assured you can make the right decision with your understanding. And yet that's how most of the world is trying to live. Are y'all with me, saints? Seek and you shall find has to do with seeking the one who knows the one thing that you need to know about this situation. And you won't understand all about it, but he'll reveal it to your heart. And once you got it, trust him and what he put in your heart. And don't lean to your own understanding. This is a radically different way of living than even most Christians live. Because most Christians, the vast majority of Christians that believe in God, love God, born again, they die, they'll go straight to to be with Jesus, yet they do not live like this. A lot of times they, they just haven't seen it. They haven't understood it. It has to do with what we've talked about so much about being led by the Spirit. The Spirit of God, in fact, uh, just hold your, your place here and look in Romans, the 8th chapter. Or they'll put it up on the screen for us. Romans eight fourteen. What does it say? As many as are what? Led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. Verse 16. For we've not received, excuse me, the the Spirit itself, or most translations say Himself, bears witness with what? Not our head. Not our understanding. He bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If He could let you know when you're born again, if He could let you know in your spirit that you're a child of God, He could let you know something else. He could let you know whether you should take that job or not. He should let you know where you should live, where you should go to church, whether you should marry them or not, and whether your kids should be involved in that or not. Come on, are you listening? And the answer to a thousand and one things that come up every week. But most people, including most Christians, do not live like this. They live by their understanding. They try to get all the information they can about it and then make the best decision they know how to make based on the information they have and that is the same way sinners make decisions and some get pretty good at it people that don't know God they get pretty good at amassing information and crunching the numbers and eliminating problem areas and make it. And you can make some seemingly decent decisions doing that, but not God-directed decisions. Because that is leaning and relying on your own understanding. We're talking about a different way of living. Go back to Proverbs uh, 3. Let's finish reading this, then let's give you some examples. Proverbs 3, 5. Let's look at the New Living translation on this. New Living. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. 
Darby translation. Darby says, confide in Jehovah with all your heart, lean not to your own intelligence. The message Bible says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Today's English version, the TEV. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. Are people relying on what they think they know? The complete English version, the CEV. The complete English version says, verse 7. Don't ever think that you are wise enough. But respect the Lord and stay away from evil. This will make you healthy. And you'll feel strong. Don't ever think you know enough that you can make the right decision based on what you've learned. Because you can't. You don't. You can never know everything that has happened in that area. You can never know everything that's going on. And how can you know the future? It's possible to crunch the numbers to the nth degree and be the best, most perfect response and decision. But tomorrow something happened that changes everything. And what was a wonderful decision is the worst thing you could do. But you didn't know that because you hadn't got to tomorrow yet. But the one who knows the end from the beginning lives in you. And in me. And can you begin to see what a different kind of stress free living. I don't have to know all those things. I don't have to find out. And I don't have to wear myself out trying to find every little detail. They're just one thing I need to know. And he will show it to me. He'll show it to me. Somebody say he'll show it to me. He'll show it to me. Let's say you're buying a house. Do you really need to know every house that's available on the market in a three county area around where you're looking? Do you? And do you really need to know every detail about the electric bill on the closest hundred to your price range? Do you really need to know how all of them were constructed? No, tell me what you need to know. I didn't say you couldn't look. I didn't say you couldn't use your head. Yes, but don't rely on your extensive information gathering to get you to the right place. Seek and you shall find, but not trial and error, not process of elimination. This is wearying in the flesh and the mind. Yes, sir. 
Oh, how much better off would have been, saints, if time after time, instead of crunching numbers and staying on the phone all day, if we had just shut the door and unplugged everything and prayed for a while. And said, Lord, (laughs) I don't need to know everything about every house. I want to know my house. Where's my house? Single people. Believing for a spouse. You don't need to know everything, ladies. You don't need to know everything about men. (laughs) Your man. It's all you need to know. Guys, you don't need to know everything about women. Your woman. You don't have to wade through 300 might be's. And have all kind of turmoil. And problems. Now I didn't say you had to hear an audible voice. To go on a date with somebody. Don't make it too hard for the Lord to let you meet somebody. But nor do you have to get involved with people and find everything about them and go through all this time after time after time after time. Trial and error. Sinners that don't even know God, this is how they live. You don't need to know about all What's going on in all 50 states? Where's your state you're supposed to be in at the time? Can you see what the enemy does? There's one thing you ought to be looking at and thinking about and taking care of. And the enemy will come. And he'll give you another one to look at. And another thing to buy. And another and another. And if you're foolish, you'll look at it. And you go, yeah, but there's all these choices. And there's just so many things to consider. And so many things to deal with. No, there's not. There's not. There's only one. Say out loud, there's only one. There is only one. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go to Psalm 77. How about it? Would this transform the way you live? Hmm? What would we do with all that time we had freed up? (laughs) Well, we wouldn't be worn out. We wouldn't be fatigued all the time from being involved in so many things that we shouldn't be involved in. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Children of God should be led by the Spirit of God. Not all this other stuff. And it's, I'm so thankful. I, Phyllis and I were exposed to some of this revelation in Hagen's ministry, Brother Kenneth Hagen. Lord taught him personally about some of these things. And there's so many places you just don't hear any of this. You don't, people are still, you know, they're, Putting out fleeces and, and just asking everybody, brother, what do you think? Or, or a lot of people have the idea, well, just go do the best you can and hope he leads you somewhere or another. They do. People are just wandering around hoping God will make something work out of all the stuff they're doing. That is not how it works, my brother, my sister. God's intelligent. How many believe God's intelligent and can communicate? Yes. 
And we're supposed to be intelligent. And supposed to be able to hear. And the Spirit of God will lead you and guide you. It's so easy to let other things lead you. We're not supposed to be led by need. Well, this needs to be done. That don't mean you're supposed to do it. You're not the only one that can do it. You're not supposed to be led by price. Well, this is the cheapest one. We'll save money. That's not a leading. I'm getting funny looks across the crowd. It didn't say as many as are led by the lowest price. Did it? <laughs> led by the cheapest one. But how many times people, good Christian people have made important decisions based on $100 less? Didn't even pray, didn't even check that. Well, this must be the will of God. Saved 100 bucks. <laughs> no, you got to be willing to follow him. And if you'll even look and listen, there'll be times he'll tell you, no, no, that's not a leading now. Follow what I tell you. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. That's not, that hundred dollars cheaper is not all the information about that. How many ever saved some money and wished you hadn't later on? Huh? Because <laughs> you didn't. You didn't. It cost you. Well, that's because you wasn't led. Or I wasn't led. We were led by price. We were led by cost. We were led by opportunity. We were led by availability. We were led by personal likes or dislikes. We were led by uh, kinfolks or all kind of things you can be led by. But that's how you miss it. That's how you come up short. Led by the Spirit of God. Said out loud, I am led. By the Spirit of God. I am directed. He orders my steps. He directs my path. By the leading of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. What did that passage say? His Spirit bears witness with what part of our being? Not our head. Our spirit. It's not intellectual information. It's a sense. It's a knowing. Sometimes it can be like a check. Everything looks like you ought to do it, but first you have something in you bothering you about it. Well, don't ignore that. Don't override that. Pay attention to that. Trust God with all your heart. What you get in here, trust it completely. You have to discipline yourself because sometimes it looks different to your head. But the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. Oh, friends, this is key. This is how he leads us out of our problems into total victory. It doesn't always make sense to your mind. What if you've got a terminal disease? And the Lord says, what you need to do is go get in the river. You remember Naaman? He almost missed his healing, didn't he? Why? Because of his head. He thought, well, there's rivers in my country better than, than this river. And what do I need to... What's, he thinks I stink. What's the problem? He almost missed his healing. Getting mud in your eyes. It's the way to having your sight restored. Some of the things don't make sense to you. If you saw the whole picture, it would make sense. But you don't. You just know in part. That's why it seems like it doesn't make sense. It makes perfect sense. 
It just seems like it to you from your little shallow, narrow perspective. But if we just, you know, the key to miracles is what Jesus' mother said to him. And what'd she say? Whatever he says to you, do it. And that's when you get miracles. Can you say glory to God? Oh, thank you, Master. Just lift your hands and praise him for just a moment. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you. We bless you. We give you glory. Stand up on your feet and just praise him some. Lord, we give you glory. We give you praise. We give you thanks. Oh, we bless you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, we bless you. We praise you. We glorify you. We magnify you. Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 Everybody close your eyes if you would and focus on, focus on the Lord. Be very sincere. Say it out loud. Father God, forgive me for entertaining, considering thoughts and things I should not be considering. You told me to cast down imaginations. You told me To take every thought captive. Every thought. To the obedience of Christ. You told me what to think on. And what not to think on. You told me not to fear. You told me not to worry. Not to let my heart. Be afraid. Or troubled. I know since you told me that. There's power in those words that would enable me to do just that. Forgive me for yielding to fear or worry or any such thing. Forgive me for letting myself be troubled, anxious, agitated. I acknowledge I didn't have to be. And I thank you for giving me your peace the peace that passes understanding the peace that'll keep my heart and keep my mind in the anointed one Christ Jesus I ask of your mercy Lord show me that one thing that one thing You've already said to me, whether it was long ago or whether it was recently, that one thing in the area I'm dealing with, you spoke by your spirit, you spoke in your word, remind me of it please, reveal it to me please, I'll treasure it, I'll embrace it. I'll cling to it and with your help 
not let the devil corrupt my mind from the simplicity of the one thing you told me in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.